you can do some things very artistic thinking outside the box that a lot of other photographers don't take the time to learn or hey weekend hunters welcome back to the art of photography podcast where we share our hope our purpose and how we get happiness through photography and today i have a special guest um he is he's been a designated master photographer in fine art and he also have been you know receiving multiple awards and been in a lot of galleries um and this year actually his 40 year anniversary of um, you know, starting a photography business. So congratulations on that. And this is Jim Brompton. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Uh, very well. How are you, Stanley? Yeah, I'm doing well. Well, congratulations on the anniversary. That's, I mean, uh, you know, especially the timing with like receiving all these awards. I think that's that's great. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a lifelong journey for me, for sure. And, yeah. And uh, to, to pass that 40-year mark was just um, a real blessing. And I'm so happy I've been involved in it for that length of time. Yeah, so that's great. Um, like, um, wow, forty years. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, what's um, what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know who you are, and um, you know um, what's your passion in in photography itself? What sort of photography and so forth? Well, um, a long time ago, <laughs> it uh, all it all began, and I uh, I used to um, focus on mostly wildlife and. And uh, nature and nature scenes. Um, uh, my focus and my marketplace back at, in those days in the 1970s uh, was um, to magazines and calendar companies and uh, school books, uh, those types of publications. So I used to sell images to them, uh, as well as I did some some uh, portraits and some weddings and uh, tried to make a living as a photographer in the 70s. It was um, it was a struggle then, no different than it is now for anybody. So. Um, managed to get through all of that over those years and uh, I kind of switched gears and went into uh, more fine art landscape. Uh, I did that probably 25 years ago and um, kind of ramped up um, the, the other side of the business where I would have my images printed on canvas and then they would go to, to different galleries and I would sell them through my, uh, my galleries that represented me as well as I would sell them through my own, my own stores. I had my own galleries. Um, so that, that was, you know, that was the beginning of the fine art side of, of the business. Uh, then I took another leap, um, about 15 years ago and started printing my own. So I own, I own the canvas print lab now that does all the printing. So now I, I, I it's a one-stop shop. I take the image, I take it, put it through my own canvas print lab. From there, we, um, distribute it to the galleries that, uh, that have ordered the piece or want to see it or want to hang it on display. And, uh, uh. I stretch it, I finish it, and um, eventually I sell it, which is the which is the the end result. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, I, I, there's so many so many things I want to I want to touch to in, in that just that little bit of a um, conversation there. But uh, I, I will start with you know like where how how did it all start like 40 years ago? What really is well? Um, how, how yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Stanley. What it started about 50 years ago for me, actually. Oh, uh, okay, wow. Yeah, when, when I was in, um, in school, so in the, in the early 70s, um, I started taking, I started capturing images um, in, the, in the 1960s. And so 
I, I just I just developed a taste for it, I guess, and and I really enjoyed it. So uh, of course, back in those days, we were shooting films, so I I was able to uh, to buy a good a good quality 35 millimeter camera, and um, it was in in the latter part of the 1970s that I decided that I would set up a photography business, which I did. So I've been shooting for over 50 years, um, generally. Um, 42 years uh, owning my own photography business. But um, through that initial stages of my career, I went from 35 millimeter film to medium format. Um, and I, you know, I was shooting big landscapes. And I remember in 1982, I had my first canvas print uh, done and it was done uh, in a company uh, uh, in Vancouver. And I lived in Saskatchewan at that point in time. And uh, it was a, it, the way they did it back then in the early 80s was they took a print and they actually melted it into a piece of canvas, which is <laughs> that, that's that's how they did their canvas transfers. So uh, I remember clearly buying that piece um, and saying to myself, wow, this this is going to change the world. Like we can put our own photography on canvas now and actually become truly become an artist. And so so that part of it that really, really excited me. And, and uh, I continued to shoot medium format and uh, I've always been a, a Canon shooter. So I've always had the Canon um, film cameras. Um, I had several of them, wore, wore a bunch of them out, uh, dropped a few over some cliffs. Uh, you know, it's all of the exciting stuff, you know, and, and lo and behold, I remember talking to the Canon rep and I think it was about uh, 85, I had dropped a Canon F1 film camera off of, off of a ledge that went I must have gone 500 feet below and bounced its way all the way down. And when I went down to the bottom and got it, it still worked. So <laughs> that was kind of kind of a testament to me, I guess, as to how you know what the quality of the gear was back then. And and I still shoot to this day. I still shoot um, uh, digital, of course, now, but um, all Canon, all Canon gear, all Canon L glass, and it's a big investment. Uh, and it's it's something that you have to well for me at least. I, I don't think I could change systems as much as I know that there's new systems out there, but it's so costly to replace the glass. Uh, it, it's not so much the camera. It's to, you know, I got $60,000 worth of lenses in my, in my arsenal and I just can't afford to go and replace all that. So I love my Canon gear and, and they, it does a great job and, um, and I'll continue to shoot it. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point actually. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like, especially in this era, like, um, all, all the cameras working, working, you know, great. They all have their advantages and disadvantages. But I think at the end of the day, um, there was um, one word that you mentioned there, you know, like artist, like, you know, that's, that's, that's at the end of the day, that is what's important. The people that actually use the tool, you know, they're all great tools. Sure, some of them have their, you know, um, um, advantages and disadvantages. But essentially, at the end of the day, it's the people that are using it and pushing it to the limit because, let's face it, you know, most of us doesn't even, you know, even close to pushing it to the limit. Right. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's great that you, you mentioned that. Um, but wow, that, that is such an inspiring story. So yeah. You know, that. but back, you know, I think Sandy, I think way back in, you know, in the eighties and I, I used to follow a photographer from the U S uh, his name was Ansel Adams. And, wow. um, yeah. I, I was just intrigued by his ability to capture landscapes. Um, and he shot mostly black and white, but he did shoot some color. Uh, but his ability to create to create art where uh, his subject matter was sharp sharp from the foreground to the background just intrigued me um, and and it was something that i I started to do on my own as well so I followed his 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 uh, his lead on that 
most of my art that I have for sale is sharp at the front and, and sharp to the back. And it, I, I, I believe it creates a nice three-dimensional effect. It creates some depth in the image. And, you know, for that reason alone, um, I think he, he, uh, he's inspired so many different photographers. It's just crazy, you know. And I remember um, one of his quotes. He says, the most important component of a camera is the 12 inches behind it. So to me, you know, and he's right. He's, it's the artist that's behind the camera that makes the difference. It's not the camera. You know, and sometimes people say to me, Jim, you must have a good camera. And well, yeah, I do have a good camera, but it's, it's, not, it's not taking the picture. I'm taking the picture. So um, that's the difference, I guess. That is, yeah, that, that is uh, true. I mean, um, we, we, as a photographer, we hear that a lot. Um, you know, I mean, like, at the end of the day, how many of you look at, you know, uh, go to a coffee and then a coffee cafes and they would have this, you know, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of dollars of coffee machine, but you, you try to copy, it doesn't really taste that great. You know, it, you're right. It's, it's just part of the equation. And I'm so glad that you brought out um, your inspiration because that was going to be my next question, like where, where it was all inspired from. So, yeah, that, that was amazing. Um, yeah, so take, take us through about like, um, you know, um, I mean, now you've got so many awards there, um, you know, a lot have been um, published and also recognized in different galleries and all that. Um, how, does, how does that um, journey um, work for you? Because, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of photographers and listeners um, that listening to this podcast might think, oh, well, you know, Jim, Jim is probably a prodigy or, you know, he's, he's talented. I don't have the eye for it. Um, you know, what, 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 what do you have to say to those people? Well, you know, I've been an educator for a long time. I love to educate people on photography. I, I really, truly do. And I think, um, you know, like after and before I received my master's in, in fine art photography, I've always been the person that likes to share my knowledge and my ability. There's so many photographers out there right now that, that keep that stuff so close to their chest. They just don't want to share that information as to how they shot it or where the, the location was. And, I, you know, I think those people, they need to revisit that. They need to say to themselves, if I can do this, why can't I share that with another photographer? Let him go and do his own twist on it because they're going to be different. You can line up 10 photographers shooting the same scene and, and everybody's going to end up with a different image. And it's because they have lens choices, they are, you know, their aperture choices, uh, their filter choices, all of that kind of stuff will come into play. So there's, there's no way that, uh, that um, the information in regard to the location or how you capture the image, there's, there's no way that that shouldn't be shared. And I'm a big believer that, uh, that um, it should be shared and I share it all the time. So when, I, when I'm educating uh, students on the art of uh, fine art photography, and, and those are the classes that I actually teach, I, you know, we talk about composition, we talk about clutter, we talk about different things that, you know, certain elements that make images better, that will make them all better photographers. And I can honestly say, uh, of all of the people that I've taught over the years, I know that some of them, if not probably uh, all of them or most of them, have you know, uh, gained information that they use regularly now that, uh, that makes their own imagery that much better. And they feel good about it because now, now they've got something that, that they can hang on the wall or they can sell or whatever they want to do with it, and that's up to them. So I've always, I've always said to them as well, hang your own art on the wall. Don't buy mine. Just shoot something, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful, you, you, it's yours, why wouldn't you put that on your wall, you know, so that's the way I kind of roll. That's, yeah, that's, that's great, um, you know, I think um, 
it was uh, there was a, a point that, that you, you touched that is uh, really important to myself is that one of the thing that I, one of the reason why I love photography is the fact that we could see each other's perspective. Everyone have different perspective, right? Everyone have a different way of looking at it and point of view. So you're right. Like you could, um, there was so many times where I go with like three or five of my friends going out shooting and when we publish it on you know our social media it it, it is hardly the same um you know the, the only one that are the same are the iconic one the one that we continually see in the social media and i believe a big part of that is because we are kind of pre-frame right because we've been seeing that photo so many times so i'm so glad that you you mentioned that um yeah that's that's fantastic what so you, you mentioned a little bit about um um you know your passion about teaching for others and 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 um and like you're, you're helping your students to become better and to actually feel better about photography. Um, how, how does that, um, how does that um, passion there um, sparks from, you know, being a photographer to being an educator? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm continuing to learn all the time myself. So, I mean, I would start right there. Uh, there isn't a day goes by that, that I, I don't take my gear out and try something different. Um, so I, I continue to learn myself and then I continue to share what I learned. So as far as um, as far as what drives me to do that, uh, I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, photography for me is, uh, I'm very passionate about it. I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about it. When I'm actually out shooting, uh, there could be a train go by me and I won't even hear it. It can be 40 below zero and I'm not cold. It's just, I get, I, get, I focus on what I'm doing and um, in that element, I forget everything else. And, and to me, um, if, you, if you can give that kind of dedication to, to anything, you're going to have a good result. So uh, that's how I kind of um, approach my, my teaching, my own photography, um, uh, with a lot of passion. And uh, it, it has to have some good bones too, though. You know? So it needs, there's, there's certain things, like when I'm instructing, we we go through a checklist. You're not going to have a good foundation on a house if it, if it isn't solid. So what do you need? You, in a landscape photography, especially fine art landscape photography, you need a really good tripod. You got to start right there. Without that, man, you know, you're all over the place. And I think, uh, uh, it's my opinion that tripods will make uh, every photographer a better photographer. It allows them to take some time to create the composition. It gives them time to create level horizons. It uh, stabilizes stabilizes the. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. Let me just go back. Yeah, I don't go know right if you, back. <laughs> you want to get rid of that or not, but that's up to you. Um, I'm going to stop that from happening again. And you know, it was just one of those calls that doesn't matter, right? So back to what I was saying, the, um, the foundation of, of a good photograph uh, starts with a tripod. And uh, when you have a, um, a good solid tripod, uh, it's gonna, it'll carry all, all your lenses. Uh, it, it'll reduce your vibration. It allows you to compose better. Uh, I like to buy tripods that don't have center columns because I think center column tripods uh, can add the effect of some movement. So I like a platform tripod. I also like to buy tripods that are eight or nine feet tall when they're fully extended. So I can work on, on the sides of, of cliffs and, and uh, mountains 
where I can I can reach out with with those legs that um, uh, that will help stabilize it, and uh, and the, and the key is to make sure everything's level. So uh, large, big, uh, multi-stitch panoramas are achievable off a good quality tripod. I like to shoot them vertically. So those are the kinds of things that I teach, um, and that's probably the very first thing that I teach is stabilization. So uh, every landscape photographer, in my opinion, needs to start with that foundation. Oh, that's great. Yeah, um, I mean, tripod is, yeah, in, in landscape especially, is such a big foundation, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I carry a small travel tripod because i travel a lot but yeah you're right in many cases it's like man i, I have like I, I wish i have you know the bigger um, tripod where it could actually sits properly and then just not try to take 10 photos in hope that one of them become sharp so yeah that's that's very true um it's it's really funny that you, you know you mentioned that straight off the bat because most people doesn't think about tripod until later right they usually think about it like more about the the the, the exposure triangle or whatever whatever that is right. so, yeah that, that is great to hear um i think a lot of the listener definitely can um can relate to that um yeah so like um Going back to your um your um your awards um I think you got you got seven of the prestige was it and one of the no I had uh, I had seven awards of distinction in twenty eighteen distinction yeah and awards prestige. of distinction yeah. and and one uh, one prestige and I had uh, eight eight entries and I had a uh, won an award for every one of them and was also nominated that year for nature photographer of the year through Master Photographers International. Yeah, so, so that's that's amazing, right? I mean, congratulations first of all. But um, you know, at at the same time, um, how do you create those images? You know, what are your what are your thought, and how do you transfer your passion into your photos so that it's actually different compared to you know make you know obviously if you if you're gonna make it um to the top, you have to create something that that is different, that is wild to not only to other photographers but especially to these judges who's been regarded as a master in in their own field so um yeah talk us through how how does how that process work for you well that process begins uh, probably at 4 30 a.m every day <laughs> so um for me being a landscape photographer for as many years as i have um i've always worked both ends of, both ends of the sun so it's sunrise sunset um the filters allow me to shoot through the day, so I can shoot all day long. But uh, as a, the last 20 years, I've been a travel photographer, all, and we travel all over the world. And we'll we'll do long long-term stays, like we'll go to to Hawaii for two or three months at a time, or we'll go to Australia for six months or five months or four months, or and then pop over to New Zealand and then jump to Fiji. And so we get to do a lot of travel. Uh, we do a lot of homework before we go to make sure that we go to the places that we want to see. Uh, I'm not a believer of shooting places that have been shot to death. I would rather find something that's um, more remote um, that people haven't seen. And I like to create my art from, from that type of vision of those vistas. Um, so it starts, it's, it literally starts in the morning. So I can give you an idea. So um, last time I was in Hawaii on the island of Kauai, I was there for two, a little over two months, um, shot every day, shot every single day, never took a day off. Uh, my day would start at 4.30 in the morning. I'd grab a coffee. I'd make a walk down to the beach, uh, which was about a five-minute walk or less from where I was, where we were living. Uh, of course, we take a lot. We, we rent long-term places when we're going to be there for a long time. So we have a nice apartment that's furnished. And uh, So I walk down to the beach. Uh, I'm, I'm there at least uh, 40, 
30 to 40 minutes before the sun is starting to think about the horizon. And, and, that, and that's when I start creating it at that point. I start looking at um, what the sun's going to do, what kind of cloud cover we have. Uh, so I need, I need to make those decisions fairly quickly once the, once the sunrise begins. But my, my pre-planning for that is, like I say, 30 or 40 minutes before, before the sunrise. Um, from that, I'll determine my composition. I'll determine what I want to shoot, what I want to tie into it, whether I want to put some rocks in the foreground. And so I'll work the beach. And then I'll also determine my, my filter usage. I'm a big believer of creating my images in the camera. So I, I, I really like uh, the use of filters on my lenses. Uh, it allows me to be very artistic. It allows me to uh, control color and, and glare and uh, exposure time and, and bright spots in the either left or right or the sun or, or the bottom or whatever you're dealing with. So there's so many different filters out there that I use on a regular basis that ties it all together. So then I'm, I'm on the beach and I'm, I'm looking at, it, at what's going on and uh, at that point I say, okay, this is how I'm gonna shoot this this morning and I get my filters ready and I get set up and I start shooting. Now a lot of times I won't shoot more than maybe 10 shots for the whole morning. But the pre-planning has gone into it. The composition is there. Uh, I know what I wanna do with my filters. I know, uh, I know what I wanna do with the ocean. Um, and those types of scenes where I've got moving water or moving clouds, uh, I like to create some art from that by either adding a you know uh, a, a denser ND on or, um, or or working with a grad uh, or or crisscrossing two grads. The thing that's nice about our cameras this uh, this day is that the there's so much resolution. So even if you do some crisscrossings on on some circular filters, you can still crop into it and still have a really really good file. So. Uh, you can do some things very artistic thinking outside the box that a lot of other photographers don't take the time to learn or they've never tried it. And so those are the types of things that, um, that get me excited to, uh, when I'm in the field. Uh, what can I do to this? How can I create this? How can I make this a better image? How can I make this so that when somebody looks at it, they're going to stand in awe and stare at it. They don't have to buy it. I, I win. I'm a winner if they stand in front of it in awe. Or if they turn around and say to me, is this really a photograph? And I'm not a big believer of Photoshop, so I don't do a lot of work in Photoshop. One of the things that I, that I learned a long time ago with digital cameras, and, I, and I, I tell a lot of my students, you know, give it a try, is go into the back end of the cameras and turn everything off. Don't let your camera do anything for you. Turn off any auto enhancements, auto colors, auto sharpening, everything. Just turn it off. So now basically what you've got is an old film camera. Because in the old film days, the only thing that you could ever do would be to take the image, put it into a dark room, and do a little dodging or burning, and you're done. So you had to shoot it right back then, which, and with the use of filters, you could do that and achieve that. So I'm doing the same thing with the digital world, but I'm not letting the camera do anything for me. So what I've learned, and I use Photoshop, and I don't use Lightroom, and I, I use Photoshop sparingly, um, but I'll take one of my, say, a single image file, not a, not a multi-state, and because everything's turned off on my camera and I've used filters to create the image, there's so much detail in that, in that raw file. Uh, so I'll dump it into Photoshop and I simply will add black. And when I add black, it adds contrast and color. And I'm done. I'm literally done with one swipe of one line. So that's the kind of stuff that our cameras are capable of, of uh, of creating for us like the, if you take control of your camera 
um, you're going to end up with those kinds of results. You're going to end up with that wow factor. You're going because you've used filters, you understand how to use them. You've created a beautiful scene with the composition. You thought through it well before before it ever began. Uh, and uh, that's that's the stuff that drives me every day. So then, following that, I, I, and the sun's gone. I, I usually will shoot a couple over my right shoulder or my left shoulder, depending on what the sun is highlighting now. So I'll actually use the sun uh, in a sunrise to, to the advantage of continuing to shoot past the actual sunrise itself, but I'll just face a different direction. And then uh, I stop uh, in, in a Hawaii situation, then I would jump in the car and I'd go to the North Shore and I'd shoot waves all day long. And um, at the end of the day, uh, the North Shore is fine too for, for sunsets, so I'd wait it out up there and shoot my sunsets and then I'd go home. So a very long day. I mean. It, uh, they're 15 hour days and uh, I did it the last time I was there. I, I did it um, every day for uh, two months and five days, I think. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's all, it's all about It's all about dedication, Stanley. You just got to be dedicated to it. You know? Yeah, that's that's a great insight. Um, but I think most of photographers out there who um, who really, um, you know, trying to push to get that um, a wow factor or something that is different in their in their um, in their photography because at the end of the day um you know like if you want to grab that wow factor you have to be creative you have to find a time where um, other people would be in bed or a time where other people would be facing the other way right so that was yeah, yeah that's great that you mentioned that now one one of the things that i want to um talk about there um you know i i'm aware that you're um a case filter ambassador here in canada and you talk about filter just um on on that last uh, point there and how the filter can not only help to create uh, better quality images, but also help you with creativity. So, um, yeah, like talk to us a little bit about, you know, how, how can, you know, how does the filter help you to create these images that are wow or that are different or, you know, um, they are a better quality um, than you would have shot without the filter? Right. Um, well, photography, as you know, is all about light. So if you can manage light, um, you, you know, you're going to end up being a good photographer. So, um, my first filter that I go to, uh, is the, is the, the newest filter system on the market, uh, by case, uh, global, uh, case filters have, um, absolutely, um, shocked me. You know, my, my camera bag consists of probably near $5,000 worth of filters, uh, from other companies made by other companies. And I, I would always buy when a new company, when a new company had a filter come out, I would always buy it because I, I love shooting with filters. So I, I would just see how it compared to the last one I bought. Um, I've been working with case now since uh, November of 2019. Uh, I'm very, very pleased to be their Canadian ambassador, uh, uh, for their company. Their filters are, the best I've ever worked with. And that's, and I'm not saying it because I'm their ambassador, uh, but uh, I'm saying it because it's a, they're a great solid filter. They're rugged. There's no color cast. Uh, I just, I love them. They're super thin. Uh, they're easy to use. Uh, and I think um, the way that they've designed them, even like, even with, the, with regard to the magnetic uh, filters that they make now, um, people are going to start using stuff like that more because they're so easy to use. Yeah, you know, I, I think about the days when I was in Saskatchewan and shooting at 40 below zero and screwing filters on the front of my lens and my hands are frozen. Uh, the, uh, the, you know, the design of this magnetic system by having the ring screwed onto your lens before you even get out of your, your warm car and then set up, and you can just literally just go click, 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 and your filters are stacking and it's just so nice to work with. Um, my go-to filter though, the very first one uh, is always and will always 
be a polarizer. Uh, it's something you can't do in post. So there isn't a program out there that can add polarization to an image. So if you shoot an image without polarization, you can't fix that. So polarization to me is, is one of the most important things. It allows you, uh, polarization will, will increase your blues and your greens. It'll add, you, uh, it'll add um, some color. It'll, uh, it reduces glare. Uh, even if you're shooting a forest where you've got wet leaves and there's a glare on, on the leaves uh, from the available light, you can dial that polarizer to eliminate that. So now you've got, all you've got is this texture and you've got this beautiful saturation. So uh, it is without a doubt my first filter. Probably 95% of every image, I sh of every image that I've captured uh, in the last 35 years, I've had a polarizer on it. So that's my go-to. The, the new systems nowadays, uh, even if you get into the sheet glass systems, like Case makes an awesome uh, K, uh, K9 system. Um, it's their 100 series. And so you have 150 by 100 mil sheet glasses. Uh, and there, and there, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of leeway with that where you can, you can move your, your grads up and down. Um, so you can control the light where you want it. Uh, another nice thing about that, that system, uh, is if you, if you, if you've got some side light coming in, you can turn the, the whole, uh, adapter ring so that you can, you can have your grad at an angle. But the, the key to that is you've already put on a magnetic polarizer, you've dialed it in. And when you do turn that, it's a geared ring. So it actually turns the polarizer. So um, it, it keeps everything as set. So when you put your, like I was talking about a foundation before, so you, you're on a tripod, you get your, you, you put your polarizer on, you dial it to your liking, whatever you want. Um, and then you start being creative with the, the rest of the filters to add, you know, control the light and add time. Uh, that's to me is key. This is when you become very artistic. This is when, to me, you become an artist. You become a photography artist, and and that's um, uh, something that that you're going to develop on your own. You're, it's going to be a style. You're going to have a style. People are going to be able to look at an image down the road, and they're going to say, "Stanley shot that." I mean, that's this is the kind of style so that people will start recognizing. Um, you know your workflow what your images look like and in and in my case I, I mean i have i have because i've been shooting for so long i've, I've got um, nice big landscapes i've got a lot of water work I, I love my oceans and beaches um and i know when i post an image uh, that that has a wave in it or a sea or uh, a scene or a sunrise of an ocean i know and i get comments all the time on my social media i knew whose photo this was before i even looked at the name you know, so those, that's the kind of stuff that you can get uh, um, down the road once you develop that style. And your style is going to be uh, creative with the use of your filters. So I strongly recommend if anybody that, uh, that's shooting now isn't shooting with filters, they need, they need to visit that. And I, I think that they'll find that their imagery will get a lot better in the end uh, if they do that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've been um, shooting with... Um, case filter i've actually used the lee filter before um i got into um a case filter and when case kind of approached me i was um i was excited actually i've looked up i've seen the, the the magnetic filter and that was like it was like mind-blowing because uh, before i used to have a circular polarizer and i would try to to screw on the adapter ring on the circular polarizer and, oh my god it was such a big nightmare so that was such a big thing and, um, you know, it was really funny that you mentioned um, how the circular polarizer is so important in, in the quality of a photo. Because, look, I mean, looking back through my photo series, sometimes I go back and I would 
start editing them and I would go like, man, I just wish I had a circular polarizer because, um, you know, back when I first started, um, I think that that was a really good thing that you mentioned there. Back when I first started, circular polarizer was more about, for me at least, um, I understand it to take away the glare from the water. So if you want to see through the water, but actually you don't realize that if you shoot even in the forest, even if it's a for, uh, overcast, you get a lot of glare on that leaf. So by yeah. putting that circular polarizer, it takes away all that and the color and the texture just comes out. So yeah, like that, that was amazing um, that, you, that you mentioned that. And um, yeah, like um, that, the, the, the fact that you could um, actually control the light that was the other thing that i think it was really really great that you mentioned it because um i always knew that light was important it is the most important of photography right i mean at the end of the day if it's dark no lights at all it's just pure dark it doesn't matter what you do with it but you mentioned there that using a filter you could actually control the light that was actually a big aha moment for me because even though i knew it it was that was the main purpose of it i i never really think of it that way so so it's it's definitely um a game changer there um so as a as a sunrise and a sunset shooter um do you do you use a lot of the the reverse grad or um or also known as the sunset or sunrise filter and um, yeah. yeah take us through how how that kind of helps in, in in your photography yeah you know uh, at the nearing the end of the day um once the sun actually sets the 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 reverse grad um is a filter i like to use because it's a little lighter on the top but you can still control the horizon. So, but what that allows you to do is to, is to uh, compared to um, a, just a grad ND, it allows you to, to see, because it's a little bit lighter on the top, you can actually see the stars and, and whatnot starting to appear, but you can still see the color of the horizon, or you'll, you'll start to catch some of the, the northern lights, um, uh, early, early northern lights in the evenings. So uh, because, because the filter's not dark to the top, it allows you to to uh, to capture that beginning of that of the of the end of that sunset. So it's always uh, it's always been something that I've really enjoyed shooting. Is is uh, once the sun's down, we still have a really nice color along the horizon plane, um, but you can start to see the you know the Milky Way or not the Milky Way necessarily. You need it has to be darker, but the northern lights. You can start to see the northern lights starting to get active, and then you can start shooting, and you still have color on the horizon and you've and you've got the northern lights already appearing so uh you can't do that without without the use of a filter it's just not going to happen uh, so the um uh, back in the old days i mean we we had graduated neutral density filters but w- uh, there was never a reverse grad i mean that, that was i've never heard of you know all of a sudden hey there's a reverse grad on, on the market and now there's a center grad and you know those are the specialty filters that are out there that will allow you to enhance your imagery and make you a better photographer and make you stand out. So, you know, like talk a, a little bit about the center grad. So now, so now you got a strip right across the middle of the, of, of the, the filter. Um, and it's, it's light on the top and light on the bottom. But if you take that filter and turn it sideways, now you've got a strip down the middle. So now you've got a waterfall or a stream that's running past you. Typically there are two stops or greater, brighter, the water. So now you can control that and still have beautiful colors on the edge of the, of your rivers or your streams. So now you don't have to worry about, about um, blowing out the, the river. Uh, you can add another filter on it. Now you can start to create what you want the water to look like. So um, you, know, you can go from two seconds to 20 seconds by adding a, a six-stop ND on top of the, of the center grad. 
So it's this is where you this is where um, fine art photography really takes place is because now you're the artist and you get to choose how the, what the end result is. There's a lot of a lot of places that I'll go to and I'll get set up and I, before I even take a picture, I know what the end result's going to be because I've thought through it. I know what my camera's capable of. I know what my filters are capable of doing. And because I've done it for so many years, I, I can see the end result before I even take the first photo. So that to me is something that um, I've earned. I've earned that because I've shot millions of photographs in my day. And it's, it's kind of like in, you know, in the old day where, uh, or even now, you know, uh, I don't rely on my meters very often. I, I kind of know up here where, where I need to, because I always shoot manually. So I know up top where, where I need to set my exposure and my, and I always shoot, I always shoot F8 or F11. Uh, seldom do I shoot beyond F11, but um, uh, unless I'm looking for some softness. Um, but uh, I mentioned earlier about Ansel Adams and I like to be sharp front to front to back. So pretty much all my, my cameras, all my lenses, uh, the happy, what I call a happy spot is, is the sharpest part of that lens. And, and I mean, most lenses, it's midway between, if it's a 2.8 lens and goes to f22, it'll be in that f11 range or f8 to f11. Uh, there's a lot of uh, programs out there that have done tests on these, so you can actually see, you know, which, which, uh, which aperture gives you the, the best sharpness. So I always say to myself, well, why don't I rely on, the, rely on that? I mean, if, this is, if, it's, if it's f8 or f11, then I want to shoot f8 or f11. And so I do that. And so that gives me the ability to have something very sharp. Um, and then I start creating outside that sharpness, uh, the use of filters to create the actual image. That's yeah, that's great. Um, it's it's actually really funny when you when you think about filters because like we we there's a lot of misconception there, especially for um, people who doesn't really um, get into photography, you know, all into that depth. Uh, people think filters are the things that they put on Instagram, right? So there is a big misconception about filters and. Um, the funny thing about filters is actually it helps you to do less post-production instead of, you know, the other way around. And um, yeah, that, that was really funny. Cause so like when I, when I see people who kind of comment, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, stop using the filter. Like let, let the nature, like, you know, uh, bring out the true nature. And I was like, actually, if you use it correctly, it would actually bring the true nature instead of, you know, having to process it. So that's, yeah. that's really funny that you mentioned that. Um, and yeah, the, the sunset filter, um, the same with you. I never heard of it until, uh, until um, I got the master kit. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't even realize that the light was like that when the sun actually disappeared on the horizon until I used them. I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, that, that was really great that you, you brought that up. Um, yeah, look, um, we're coming towards the end here. Um, I think um, uh, one more question that um, I'd like um, to get from you. Um, you know, if you were, if you were to give an advice to your younger self, you know, when you started um, photography and, you know, I know that a lot of people out there um, realize that they like photography, but, um, you know, they just not sure where, where, where to start. And I think with the social media, they, a lot of people kind of, it's like, they get discouraged because they see amazing photos out there and they feel like, I don't think they, you know, they don't think they, they can, um, they can do it themselves. And I'm sure as an educator, you, you'll come across that often. So, um, you know, if you were to tell your younger self, um, you know, um, and your pessimistic self, I suppose, I'm not sure if you were like that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I know that I gone through that phase before. What would you tell that, um, you know, your younger self? <sighs> well, you know, I, uh, I, 
over the years, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I think uh, mistakes are, uh, are, good, are good as well because they, 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 they teach you what not to do. So, I mean, I, I look back 40 years ago and, uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I want to be a photographer. How do I make money and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, I, I think now that where I am today, uh, I, I don't think the money should be as important as I, as I put the, the weight on it back then. I, th I think, um, I think the, the ability to become a better photographer back then is something that I wish I would have developed quicker than I did. And so it's through that length of time where you make those mistakes and you, and you, and you, uh, and you learn from your mistakes, um, you know, over a period of 15 years, if that could have, if that process could have sped up, it would have been so much better, but, but I'm, I'm a self-taught photographer. I, I, I don't, um, I, uh, I, I've never taken any education on photography other than, other than, um, perhaps the odd thing online now, but not back then. Of course, we didn't have computers back then. So, uh, you know, it's, um, it's something that I, I wish I could have learned quicker, I guess. Uh, but now, now where I am today, uh, and like I mentioned earlier, I still continue to learn. I mean, every day I go out, I shot, I went shooting yesterday and, and uh, I was playing with some filters and just doing some, some different things that I hadn't done before. So I'm out testing the waters as, you know, maybe a good way to put it, but it's, um, it's a, it's a continuation for me and, you know, and I don't see myself quitting anytime soon and I'm probably, you know, going to be, I'm going to be one of those guys that, um, that, that, that loves his job right to the end. So, uh, you know, what's better than to be able to make a living as a photographer and a travel photographer to travel the world and then to have galleries to sell your work and to print your stuff. Uh, you know, I print for other photographers too, all the time. And, you know, I see, I see their abilities and I see, I see some stunning stuff like, Oh my God, there's some great photographers coming up, uh, in the world that, that I've been, you know, in Canada, yeah, I even print for some out of the U S but, um, their work is exceptional, you know, and, and I can just see that at some point in time, they're going to be, you know, well recognized for their ability. Um, and, and they're, you know, and then they shoot all different kinds of cameras. We had talked a little bit about that before, you know, the, the mirrorless or, or the, you know, the big name brands. Well, I see quality files from other photographers that shoot a variety of different pieces of equipment and they're all good. They're, you know, as much as, I mean, I shoot Canon and I think you shoot Canon as well. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I look at some of the Nikon files. I look at some of the Sony files, and some of, the, and I get to see them firsthand in my print lab, uh, and they're quality, quality stuff. So, you know, I don't think a person can say to anybody out there, uh, "Don't buy this camera." Or, uh, my best advice to anybody that's out there right now is spend the money on your glass, buy a good lens, cheap out on the body. The body will carry you through anyway. But if you have good glass that you can carry down the road, when you do eventually get full frame or whatever, keep that in mind when you're buying it. But spend spend the extra money on the glass. Don't uh, don't go with the kit lenses. Um, you know, it's just if you want to become a very good photographer, then you've got to think I got to spend some money, and that starts with buying a good tripod, like I said earlier. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, I think um, making making mistakes is is. Uh, it's the most underrated thing. People say, you know, like, oh, a lot of people, I mean, I know when I was growing up, everyone, um, my, my parents was always, oh, be careful and all that stuff. You know, I wish going back, um, you know, my parents would just say, you know what, go fall and, you know, go, go do that. And I know they do it from their love, right? Um, they don't want me to get hurt and stuff like that. But 
um, that's what I told my students as well. I just go make mistakes. Like, sure, I think this is the best way, but do the other way. And I think the, the worst thing as an educa educator we can do is trying to close their, um, their perspective. So that was great that you mentioned that. Um, and I think one, one of the other things that I want to mention up there, especially for those of the listeners who shoot with um, a higher end camera, stop putting, you know, cheap filters in there because you spend so much money on your lenses and then you put, you know, things like Amazon uh, Basics lenses just takes away all that. It's, it's going to defeat the whole purpose. So make sure you, you invest on some, if you already invest on your lens and your camera, then make sure you invest on, on the filter as well. So yeah, like, wow, there's just so many knowledge that you uh, share with us. Always, uh, we can go all day with this, but... Yeah, but that's Jim, the um, problem. That's the problem, Sandy. <laughs> we literally could go all day with this, and I'm not kidding. You know, I, I could, five hours from now, we could still be talking about it, because there's lots of tricks and techniques out there that I've learned over the years that, uh, that are great to share with people. Yeah, and um, I think the, the fact that you say, you know, never stop learning is so important, especially for those of you who already kind of made it or, you know, who already think they're um, one of the better one out there. Um, the worst thing you can do is that the thing that you don't need to learn anymore because that's how you grow. That's how you develop your creativity. All right, well, Jim, thanks a lot for your time here. I know you have a busy day, so I'm, I'm so glad that you spare your time to be here with us. Um, and um, look for the listeners out there who um, who interested to learn more about yourself, who, who want to see more of your um, fine art, photography, and um, your fabulous um, images, what is the best way or where is the best way to find you? Well, um, my website, I guess. Um, so it's just jimbrompton.com. Um, and uh, there's a contact link there that you can, uh, you can get in touch with me um, or on my Facebook page, Jim Brompton Photography. Um, that's another good way to reach out. Um, also have a case um, case Canada filters page so uh, you can reach me through there as well cool well thank you very much Jim and um, look wiki hunters thank you very much for uh, tuning in and I'm sure you um, get a lot of um, gem from that um, and look if you're interested on a case filter um, you can contact me or Jim himself and um, I will post the link to both of um, our profile on the link so you could just contact us and don't forget to check out Jim's um, work um, it's, it's just quite amazing a lot of his work is actually he turns something that is nothing to something um, you know so a lot of his work are quite simplistic but nevertheless it's just so incredibly beautiful and vibrant so um, highly encourage you to check out his work um, but thanks a lot for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and Turn on the notification button so that you know when the, the next episode is coming out. But thanks a lot, um, and I'll see you guys next week. Catch you yeah, later. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I really appreciate the invite. Yeah, no worries. Catch you then, Jim. Yeah, yeah, I know. To, um, you know, to, to get to where you are right now in a nutshell. Yeah, wow. That's, yeah, that's a really good, really good question once again, Stanley. I think... Um, what would I tell myself? You know, when I started photography, I started going full time almost overnight in 2009 or so. I dropped everything and decided to go for it. Um, I think as much as I was very lucky with my trajectory in the sense that I, within a year, the first, within the first year, things went well. Some things fell on my lap. Some things were the result of hard work. Um, but 
I never had to go back to other types of work and I didn't have to be on the fence for, for at all, really. I just jumped right into it. But I would say um, it's going to go back to some of what we said where just just try to remember why you got into it in the first place. When you get overwhelmed and you realize that there's that voice inside you telling you you're doing it for the wrong reasons, slow things down. Just just um, just halt things completely and think about, okay, do you know how do I fix the trajectory that I'm on? If you feel like you're in a point, you're in a position where it sounds like you've been to where you're purely creating for the masses and you're it's not a personal endeavor anymore, then it's time to readjust the target, right? Um, and I think that's such an easy, especially in these days with social media and all that, it's such an easy. Uh, trap to fall into as photographers so it and it's always it's an ongoing battle you're always battling that desire to please the public and all that and you always have that that you know the little angel the little demon on the two shoulders and it's like oh should i just am i pressing the shutter a hundred percent for myself or a hundred percent for the public or is it somewhere halfway halfway in there on the spectrum but bottom line is i think there there always has to be that consistency of of creating for yourself. It's a cliche, but it has to be there throughout to some extent for things to work out. Um, so I would tell people just whenever you feel like, don't try not to lose sight of what got you excited about photography in the first place. And chances are, it's not because you wanted to, uh, you wanted to be popular, you know. Um, you probably left that at high school. It was another reason that got you into photography in the first place. Um, and, and I think part of another thing I would tell myself is just try not to be too scattered. Try not to do it all. It's very tempting, especially when you start, you want to say yes to absolutely everybody who comes knocking. And I did that for a few years and I ended up just feeling so scattered and doing a lot of things, um, you know, okay, but not, not really becoming really good at one thing. So my advice to anybody starting, and that's true from a business perspective, as well as for people who don't have no interest in making money out of their image, is just, just focus on one or two fields or one or two streams of revenue and really get after it, be, you know, Put, put all your effort into those things until you feel like you, you, you handle them really well and they're well-oiled machines and then go on and tackle something else. And then, by all means, then for us has been crucial through COVID and stuff, then diversify. Um, so many photographers have their eggs in one basket. Um, and I would say I never want to be in that position. It's way too volatile an industry to have all your eggs in one basket. So. I would recommend start with a couple streams of income whenever, when you feel like your ROI is really good and you're doing those things with your eyes closed and they're really well-oiled machines, then maybe once a year add one stream of income, one stream of revenue. And 10 years down the road, you find yourself with in a situation where it's okay if two or three things, um, two or three streams of, of uh, revenue just tank because you've got those other five that are going okay that are, are making up for it and, you, and it, you're not losing sleep over it. I think diversifying the way that you do photography 
um, will be the way to go in the foreseeable future because you know it's and that's that makes it such an exciting time to do photography, especially people who want to do photography as a as a side income or full time job. Is there's just so many ways to make it work in 2020, so many different ways, um, and I keep seeing photographers come up with new creative ways to generate income, especially especially COVID's been amazing for that, um, and so I think. Um, I think it's, 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 it's a good thing that we have just so many ways that we can make it work as photographers without having to commit to one stream of income and then just bank everything on that. So that would be my other advice to myself would be just don't be too scattered at the beginning and then just gradually add uh, the other items as, as you manage, you start to figure out that you manage the rest really, really well and you got a good handle on things. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think it, that's not only applied to business, also with uh, photography. Um, I think, you know, if you could, especially for those of you kind of just start, I think if you could focus on one skill instead of trying to do a whole lot of things, I think you will get there a lot faster, you know. Um, multitasking is not a thing. <laughs> it's, it's what people say, but it actually doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, it, that's, that's a great advice, um, both for photography and also for business side. Um, well, thanks a lot, Paul. Like, um, it's it's been amazing, and um, you know, the the inspiration and the story that you 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 share today here, I'm sure is gonna be an inspiration to the listeners, and um, hopefully push the listeners to go out there. Um, I know you, you've got you've managed a lot of um Facebook groups, and I follow a lot of your Facebook groups. Every single one of them always inspires people to get out there, and it's, it's one of the the reason why um, you know, I want you to be here. Um. But look, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners too. Um, where, where can we find you? Where can the listener find you for those of you who want to learn, um, who want to learn a little bit more about yourself and um, what you do and also some of your stunning photos? Uh, thanks, Stanley. I mean, I'm easy to find online. I'm at Paul Ziska Photography. Uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, every Paul Ziska photography on Facebook. Uh, the website is ziska.ca, Z I Z K A.ca. That's where all the workshops are listed, the books, the print information. I've got business course on there. Uh, we talked a lot about business, um, a lot, a few different courses on there. So everything is on the website. Uh, what I consider to be my best work from over the years, my favorite images are on there as well. You can also follow uh, lots of people like Instagram, Twitter. I'm at uh, Paul Ziska Photo on there. So I'd love to interact with you on there. And uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm easy to find, easy to reach via email. If anybody has questions, I do my very best to get back to everyone. And so, uh, yeah, drop me a line if, uh, if you feel I can assist with anything. And um, yeah, it, it, it's been an amazing discussion, Stanley. I think we touched on a lot of great, important topics. Uh, given we just had an hour to work with, I think we covered a lot of ground and, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I, it was really a pleasure and I appreciate all the thoughtful questions. Ah, that's great. Um, yeah, look, uh, it was, it was definitely a, a really good, um, conversation. Um, you know, not only the listeners, I was learning a lot from that. So <laughs> thank you for your, um, wisdom and also your knowledge there. But yeah, look, um, thanks a lot, um, Wicked Hunters. And um, we're going to wrap this up. Um, you know, I'm sure Paul's just going to have a lot of other things um, and uh, take care of his children and also his business side of things and also go out there and shoot more so that you could be more inspired. But thanks a lot for tuning in, for listening in. 
and yeah look um don't forget to subscribe and um check out paul ziska's link and i will put the link to all the links on the comment so if you um can't find it on the website which i highly don't you know i highly doubt it all you have to do is just type in paul ziska it'll be everywhere but it will be there for you so um thanks a lot for tuning in um wiki hunters and i'll see you guys next week